Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. I needed to do more good things with good people. And that do more along with the life I've been living for over a decade about doing good things with good people, has lit a fire inside of me. Like I have not felt or maybe didn't even know existed until this whole thing happened. This can't be it. There has to be more. Wait, am I crazy? No. If you're yearning for more and working hard to make your dreams a reality, then you're in the right place. Welcome to Dreamcatchers. It's the only show committed to helping you self-actualize and then transcend, leaving you with the legacy you've always desired. Listen in on conversations with successful philanthropists, entrepreneurs, and founders every week as we connect with them for inspiration, education, and direction. Your host, Jerome Myers, is here to help you exit the matrix and transform into a leader of your own revolution. The question is, do you believe your dreams should be real? Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Dreamcatchers podcast. I'm your host, Jerome. And I tell you, man, this thing of asking previous guests to introduce me to other people who will be on the show is something that is transformational. It expands your network and it puts you in conversation with people who you might not meet in any other path or way. And so today we're in with somebody that Rick Edelman Suggested to jump on the show with us. And Dan, I think you're in the Chicago area. Thanks for jumping on with me, my brother. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm in, in Chicago. Beautiful. This is the time you want to live in Chicago for days like today. Yeah, the lakes, the breeze off the lakes, I assume yep, is pretty glorious. cool. Glorious. It's warm. So by all accounts, Rick's probably a billionaire based on the values of the business and how big he built the thing. How are you two connected? So Rick and I were in this group called Entrepreneurs Organization, better known as EO. I am going on my 23rd year of being in EO. I would say it's a might be the single best thing that has happened to me as a human being because it's made me better with my business, with my family, with my wife, with my emotional intelligence, and also having this incredible worldwide network of like-minded entrepreneurs. So that's how we met. And we have had a lot of passion, have a lot of passion around youth entrepreneurship in particular. And so we've given a lot of time back in developing programs for youth entrepreneurs. Wow. All right. So EO means, you. I mean, the criteria to get an EO is pretty intense. Yes. You had to have built the meaningful business. Now, have you had any exits along the way, or has it just been working on the one thing for 23 years? Yeah. So one, I've been an entrepreneur and in probably in its truest sense. And that means you have a lot of highs and a lot of lows. I call it the roller coaster. 
And I've had many different types of exits. And the way I always looked at it was, and being an entrepreneur, you learn as you go because there's no playbook, right? You're literally learning as you go. So when I had all these different forms and definitions of exits, I always looked at it because I'm so deeply believe mindset is almost the most important component to have in life, let alone being an entrepreneur. My mindset is, what can I learn from this? And I would just treat everyone as a learning, growing experience and then apply it to what's next. Okay. So did you, usually I find that entrepreneurs, when they're going on their journey, they usually have something that shifts the way that they think about the world. Sometimes it's a near-death experience. Sometimes it's a medical condition. Sometimes it could be losing somebody and they start thinking about or reconsidering what's important for them. Have you had any of those experiences on your journey? Uh, Well, long list of things along the journey, but certainly I had a health scare, which, and and also there's two that really jump out at me. One is a deep betrayal and the other Mm. one is a health scare. So I'll do the health scare first. So being an entrepreneur, having these different exits along the way and always growing the next business, I had actually, so roughly about eight years ago, actually hit a pretty good low. And I had some successful financial exits before that and kind of had a great story of everything heading in one direction, which most everything was heading in the up direction. And then sometimes after you exit, it's not as easy as you would think to just magically hit the next thing and continue to go up. And I went through a valley and as, and got myself financially in trouble, but had some financial vulnerability because I was, I didn't have the next thing figured out. I didn't have me figured out is what I learned later with hindsight. But I then started coming out of the valley and started growing a, a really successful EOS practice. I have a hotel development business where I build small hotels in small towns. We built 16 of these, mostly in the state of Iowa, two of them that I own myself. And so I was right coming back at to the peak economically in terms of just compensation frankly, never made more money during that time. So I was at the peak is what I'm trying to say. Made more money from income, just flat out income than I'd ever made in my life. And that's coming Mm -hmm. off years of making great money. And so one day I am literally driving down the expressway in Chicago. So if you've ever done Chicago traffic, that is no joke. And if you can imagine, if you look at the world, everything is just in a certain frame, in a moment's notice with no heads up, everything doubled. And instead of seeing one car driving at me, I was seeing two cars driving at me. And instead of seeing one lane of traffic, I was seeing, well, in that case, instead of four lanes of traffic, eight or whatever it was, it was just insanity. And I remember slowly pulling off to the side of the road and found an exit. And I actually parked my vehicle and took the train back to where I live out in the suburbs because I didn't trust myself to drive. So 17 medical tests, couldn't figure out what was going on. And these incredible people that are nurses, surgeons, doctors, giving me everything they got. But each day that went by, I kept getting worse. So first everything was doubling. Then I was starting to lose 
ability to move my hands properly, like just to get a simple cup of coffee, usually just grab it, right? This was everything I could have to slowly move towards that cup of coffee to grab it, let alone drink it. So I get diagnosed with something called myothenia gravis and MG. Yeah, you don't want to know about it, but there's like 200,000 people in North America that have it, super rare, and it basically attacks your central nervous system and delays attacks on muscle receptors. So I'm oversimplified for sure. But the reason why this is so important, because I trade, my business was basically trading time for money. So I'm, I have an EOS practice. If I don't show up for a session with my clients, I don't get paid. So here I am at this economic peak and I'm going through this medical crisis. And what's happening, I'm having to cancel sessions. And all of a sudden the economics start hitting pretty hard, but I don't have a choice because it has me and I don't have control of it. The doctor says to me, you have a choice to make. You can go in tomorrow because I'm like, let's go. Let's get this thing over with. Because w- what they found out is basically I had this huge mass in my chest that was acting like an amplifier to create these antibodies. There's good and bad antibodies. And these are the bad ones. And there are billions of them attacking my body. But I have this mass in my chest. They have to get it out in order to stop the amp- amplification of the mass production of these antibodies. And they say, you have a choice. You can go in tomorrow, basically open heart surgery, zipper you open, scalpel it out. You'll be in and out and you can do- go tomorrow. Or you can wait three weeks and wait for the robotic assist machine called the Da Vinci machine. I look at the surgeon in the eye and, he, and I said, what should I do? And life is bad right now. Life is bad for me because this thing's got me. And he goes, wait for the machine. I'll get it all. Because the type of mass it is, you want to get 100%. 99% is not enough. It'll still produce it. So the next three weeks, I had to wear an eye patch. If you ever seen a blind person that where somebody assists them, where they grab their arm, it's the only way I could walk. I lost depth perception, the ability to really focus with my eyes. Couldn't swallow. By far, that was the scariest thing. Could not chew whole food. So three weeks of, no other way to say it, but holy hell. And in my mind, I'm, so I'm having this tug of war called inside outside. My inside is, oh my God, it's all over. I'm having this crashing effect. And on the outside, I'm going, everything's okay. We're going to come through this. Everything's, we're going to end up on the good side of this. And about three days before I had the surgery, I guess I should say this first because it's right context. For over a decade, I've been living a life of purpose. And that purpose is do good things with good people. And everything I do, my friends, if they don't meet that criteria, they're not my friends. I just don't hang with them. If we're not doing good things that help mankind, help people, help your business, all those good things that we can do, then I'm not going to do things with you. I don't want to be offensive, but there's so much to do. I need to be smart about my time. But do good things with good people is the single most empowering thing that I've had in my life for 10 years. I filter my whole life through it. So back to where we're at on this whole medical scare thing, I'm having a surgical MRI and it's about 45 minutes. So a long time. I'm in there and that day I'm super emotional. So much so my, I'm crying so many tears, my ears filled with water. It's like I was underwater. There was so much just emotion coming out of me. And this saint of a MRI tech lady 
comes on and says, 17 minutes to go. And I'm like, are you kidding me? And she goes, and this is important. We have a surgery scheduled a few days from that. And I was like, talk to me. You got to talk to me. I know I have to make it, but I am freaking out. And she starts talking to me and tells me about her favorite thing. She likes to bake and her grandmother, just simple things. And she goes, Dan, you only have five minutes to go. We're almost there. I'm going to talk you there. She was just a saint. And when I came out of the machine, we made it, we hugged. And I said, I need a piece of paper and a pen. And she scrambled for it, gave me a Sharpie and like it from the printer, a piece of paper. And I wrote on there and still tears pouring out of me. I still have the paper. It has all these like splotch marks on it. And the only thing I wrote on that piece of paper, and I can't explain why, it actually made no sense to me at the time as I wrote, do more. I didn't have any other words. It's all I could come up with. And I literally walked out with the paper. And then I had the surgery three days later. And you go through something that invasive, seven-hour surgery, all this stuff is happening to you. And then you feel blessed because all of a sudden I could see I had a lot of my functionality back. And I had that piece of paper with me and I sat there and stared at it. What does that mean, do more? And it hit me. It hit me. I've had it for a long time, do good things with good people. But what it was telling me is I needed to do more good things with good people. And that do more, along with the of life I've been living for over a decade about doing good things with good people, has lit a fire inside of me. Like I have not felt or maybe didn't even know existed until this whole thing happened. That is amazing. Holy smokes. So you come out of there, this person who is for all intents and purposes is a stranger, saw the human in you and was kind. She was and, kind. And she I think caring. that. Oh, she knew I was in need and she just went there. It was really remarkable. I think that's magic. When we can see the humanity in each other, yeah. it's a game changer. People ask me all the time, what do you believe? And I tell them love. I believe in love. Me too. And the fact that you can handle people with love and compassion. And if you do that, it's hard to lose. It's hard not to win when you deal with people with compassion. I, so, love is one of my core values. Yeah. So you talked about going through the low, and I don't want to skip over that. Because we've labeled that the founder's exit paradox. And it's when you have this achievement, this accomplishment, and everything's supposed to be hunky-dory. Everything's supposed to be bright. It's everything you dreamed of. But then when you get there, you find out it's a mirage. You find out that it's just an illusion of what you thought it was going to be and how you thought you might feel. And so break this down for me. Like, How did you come out of that low spot because it's our goal to keep people from going too deep in the valley. Because sometimes people don't make it back out. You you see really bad things happen when people go into that dark place. Yeah. But for all intents and purposes, you move through it. And so what was the magic? What was the, did you have somebody walk in there with you or walk out with you? Help me out. Yeah. So, and I said there was two things. One is a betrayal. So that kind of void weaves into the question you're asking. Remember, I'm, yes, it's a blessing. I definitely believe it's a blessing about myself that 
you know, I'm just super curious about stuff and my own behaviors and other people's behaviors. So I look at everything as learning. And isn't that interesting? That's just how I naturally navigate the world. But so the low part was, again, the inside outside. So outside, everything's great, right? Because we're putting on that shield, that mask, because we're, especially as an entrepreneur, everything's supposed to be great. And then inside, there's a whole nother story being told. So that side of this was around betrayal. And the low was because, well, let me ask you, have you ever had personal betrayal? Someone intentionally betrayed you. Yeah, I can think of two examples that have cost me over a million dollars. Okay, there you go. I'm in your ballpark, by the way. So this was my right hand, if you would. Trusted person, frankly, was a little down on their luck, and I intentionally helped them pull them back up. And everything to my face, everything to our investors, everything to our world that we'd built that I'd built and I invited him into, he destroyed from being a thief, a liar, a criminal, someone who's really conspiring only for their own benefit. And I never had it before. It was my first only time of certainly anything like that on this level. And what happened when I was going through that valley was, and we've all heard this expression, by the way, I tell people what I was dealing with And everyone would reply back to me and say, oh, don't worry. There's light at the end of the tunnel. Next person come along and I describe it. I'm desperate for help. I'm desperate for help. And I'm seeking people out, help me through this. And they would always say, it got to be to the point where I couldn't take it anymore because it kept saying there's light at the end of the tunnel. And one day, one of my dearest friends, this nice lady, says, don't worry, there's light at the end of the tunnel. And I snapped, and I probably snapped like three times in my life. And I dropped some F-bombs and I'm going, I need light in the tunnel. I can't wait to get to the end of the tunnel because it was such a dark place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. What was great about the snapping was I quit going through the motion. What I, and that's when I recognized I was just going through the motion because it was so scary to deal with the reality or the truth of it. And I mm. was going through the motion because it was comfortable at the time, it made me feel like I was doing something, but I wasn't. I rolled up my sleeves and I said, okay, I got to figure out how to get something done here because I'm in crisis. So I talked to my coach, my business coach, Dr. Dino Signori, and he says, Dan, you're in crisis and then he, the other thing he said to me is, who's your most trusted advisors? And I gave him two names. And he said, just go to the most trusted advisors. And because otherwise, just a bunch of noise coming in. You've got you to get out of motion and into action. My mentor, Steve Perlman, and I have breakfast together. I lay out the whole thing. And I tell him about, I need light in the tunnel. I got to get out of motion into action. And he goes, he goes, can I just think about this for a little bit? I need some time. And no, I'm sorry. I said I needed to think about it. I needed some time. About an hour later, I call him up. We're done with breakfast. I call him up. And I said, so here is the status of what was happening in reality outside of this fear bubble that I was in. I had 64 entities, banks, 
investors, contractors that I owed a lot of money to. I was 30 days away from opening a hotel and no financial means to close it, all because this one individual stole the money, created a second set of accounting, deleted all the accounting we had to that day. So you can imagine building a hotel, all the invoices and construction that is involved with that, all the lien waivers, all that stuff destroyed. So we have no insight to where we're really at. It's a complete black box. And I'm scared to death and I'm imagining in my head, because you're in a dark place, so all you think about is all the bad stuff, is two, three years worth of lawsuits and likely that this hotel we're 30 days away from opening is never going to open. So that's what's happening. That's what I'm talking to my mentor about. After we're done, I call him up about an hour and a half later and I said, I need to go there in person. And he says, he said, yeah, go. And what that changed was for me hiding behind email, me hiding behind a computer, me hiding from everything, going there and facing the brutal, I mean, it was brutal reality of the situation. And I showed up to town and I emailed everyone I could. I'm going to be there, set up a series of meetings. And in three days, we got 64 people to say yes to a deal that if one of them said no to, the whole thing fell apart. Whoa. But they all know they needed to work with it. I think because I went there and was my authentic self and was just telling the truth and just trying to figure it out to save everyone the best we could, I think they saw just enough good in me because I was the bad guy. I didn't do this. Somebody else did it. But in their mind, they didn't care, right? So they pinned it on me and it wasn't me. And I was just there telling them the truth and they had a choice. Either they could believe it or not. Either they could work. And I was just that simple. Believe me or not. Either we're going to work this out or not. But we're not going to be playing games. We'll get to yes and no because we've got to take action. And I'd walk out of some of those meetings and tears running down my face just going, oh. I'd go to my car between meetings and just try to regroup because I know I was going to get my butt kicked again the next hour because the next group was coming in. And three days of it, nothing prepares you for one of your investors. So it's me and the investors in a room. And if you can imagine, I'm like, I want in, I want chair. It's like me versus them. And all of them are on the other side. Oh man, this even gets me emotional to think about it. I'm not sure exactly of this lady's age, but I would put her in the mid, maybe upper 70s. And smart, tough cookie lady, no BS, but yet a genuine person. So I, have, I always kind of really liked her. I liked her style. But we're having the meeting. I'm explaining things the best I could. And there's a whole bunch of I don't knows and stuff like that. But we'll find out. Make a long list of things. And all of a sudden, in the middle of the meeting, she stands up. She walks across the room. Remember me versus them. Got in the room. And with her 75-plus-year-old finger, hooked me right in the chest and said, I trusted you and walked out. Oh, never has it been that personal till then. That night I had dinner with her and I told her my story. She invited, to her credit, she invited me to her home. We ate at her kitchen table and just did the best I could to tell the truth to her in a way that she could hear it. And if she hadn't hit me with that finger and she hadn't done what she'd done, as brutal as it was, it would have never turned out the way that it did. Mm. 
A lot of people want to unlock their ultimate potential but lack the strategy, support, and stamina necessary to achieve their major goals. They often try to overcome these challenges by trying to do it on their own, causing frustration, fatigue, and eventually failure. We have developed a model for a center life, aka the red pill, to help them bolster their beliefs, gain clarity on their path to success, and provide accountability as they take action on their goals. When they take the red pill, they rapidly accelerate attainment of their goals and begin to experience a life of significance and impact. Want to find out more? Hop over to JeromeMyers.co. Now, let's get back to the episode. So my assumption is that you finally exited that deal and you probably exited on the positive side, but an extremely valuable asset that has generated significant amount of cash, paid down the loan ahead of time, distributions, everything. Not easy to overcome all the stuff we had to overcome, but it's been a, one of the best assets I've ever owned in my life. And did you sell it or are you still own it today? We still own it today. Wow. Yeah. And guess who? I have them all as partners. All those people that didn't trust me, didn't like me, made it brutal for me. We've figured it out and we've had to work very hard with a ton of intentionality to rebuild trust. And did you have partners exit that deal at any journey, at any point along the way? No. All the original people are still in. I'll tell you one thing, though, that I think is I tell this story as I did the right thing. I'm more impressed with all those people. They did the right thing. Think about it. Leave you hanging. Yeah. I mean, I was in more trouble than they were. And yeah, they were looking out for their finances as they should have. And I was certainly. And they basically saw it as a really bad situation that they hated. And I think it's because of their values, those good Midwest values. They said, okay, how do we make lemonade out of lemons, basically? How do they make the best of this? And that's not commonplace anymore. But if it wasn't for that, I don't know if it would have worked the way that it did. That's mind-blowing. You've been able to work through it because so many people give up in those situations. They decide that, man, it's just too hard. It's too much. It's too heavy. Yeah. And heavy. You, you decided to just continue to lift it. In addition to that, you have people who were supportive enough that they were willing to ride on that journey with you. Um, so think about a couple of things. So light in the tunnel, not at the end of the tunnel. And when I was there, that was the thing that was saving me is that mindset is I was looking for the little shimmers of light that I could grab onto so that I, uh, otherwise the tunnel was just dark. And so I would get a little and I'd build on that. I'd get a little more light and build on that. And slowly I just started building to the outcome that we eventually came on. So if it wasn't for that, and if it wasn't for all those things that were just react, my computer's going crazy here, that happened, I don't know, if Dr. Dino hadn't said, you're in crisis, if I hadn't snapped and said, I need to find light in the tunnel, if I hadn't had the breakfast with my mentor and he said, go, do it in person, don't do it, hide behind email, and got out of that motion and started taking action, life would have been very bad for me, I 
no one could tell me otherwise if I hadn't, if all those things hadn't happened. So had you already be- always believed in coaching? Because it sounds like your coach was instrumental in you actually being able to walk through this. I always struggle when people try to figure this type of stuff out on their own. So coaching is one component of it. I believe that at least for myself, I need a collaborator. I always need a collaborator. And a lot of times that means I need a coach and they're my collaborator. Here's here's the issue. Let's coach me up on it. Mentor. Here's where I'm stuck. You have all this, you're sage, you've got this wisdom. Help me work through it. Don't tell me what to do. Help me work through it. In EO, I have a forum and I have seven other people in my forum and they're like my personal board of advisors. And they're Mm. out there to look for what's best for me. And that means sometimes they hug me, sometimes they poke me in the nose or kick me in the butt. But the whole point is they're doing what they believe is best for me. Mm -hmm. So those are all collaborations that help me get to a better place. Yeah, I think it's interesting. Some people only feel like one-on-one is the only way to go. Some people feel like group stuff is the only way to go. But you're locked in on both. You're what I would EOs consider a mastermind in my book, even though it's like a lot of people at one time instead of kind of an intimate group. And then you also have at least one or two coaches that are supporting you on the journey in addition to other advisors. And so when you're in deep water, you probably want people who've actually navigated water that deep before. Yep. Yep. I see a lot of people taking $100,000 problems to people that have only solved $10,000 problems. Right. And it's just a challenge to get sound counsel. Everybody's got an opinion, but to get sound counsel, you think you usually want to go to somebody who's actually experienced with actually solving that problem. And it sounds like that's what you've been investing in, Dan. Yeah, I like, yes. And the way you're saying it is a way that I think is really what's benefited me the most. They share their experience with me. That means they've actually done it. They have some similar experience. It's not the exact. My mentor is in in plastic injection molding. I don't know anything about that business for automotive, but has he been through and had enough experiences that he can relate? I, You tell me what to do. I'm going to tell you to, no, thank you. I'm not interested in you telling me what to do. You share your experiences with me so I can pull the nuggets out of that and hear it the way I need to hear it. Now you're helping me get through it. So I really like that context that you were saying. That's how I operate best. Well, I think most entrepreneurs operate in that mode, right? Because if you just follow directions, you probably wouldn't be entrepreneur because it's harder to actually experience life that way. So, man, we've covered a lot of ground here, brother. So one of the last two questions I always like to ask is the first one being, who else should we have on the show, man? Birds of a feather flock together and you're flying with the eagles. So I know there's got to be somebody out there that would be able to come on and talk about their exits and the valleys and the founder exit paradox and some of these other concepts that we cover when we have these episodes. Yeah. So I gave this some thought I and I probably put five names down and then tried to prioritize them the best I could. And there's a guy, his name's Kerry Chesick. Okay. And he has a company called Profitology.com. 
But you hear his backstory and those highs and lows on that roller coaster. And it's one of the great entrepreneurial stories of all time. And he's made it. He made it through all that ups and downs and never easy, the unexpected, blindsided events that happen over time. And yet got all the peaks and got through all the valleys. Yeah. So definitely Carrie is who I had in mind. Outstanding. So we'll get connected in with Carrie. Hopefully he listens to this episode so he knows I'll make what sure he does. when he jumps on the show. Yep. And then the final question I ask, and it's one that gives you opportunity to maybe wrap in something that we didn't talk about, but if not reiterate the most important point of the show, and that is, what do you want the listeners to take away from this episode? Well, so I'm working on a project. And frankly, I mean, I'm launching this right now. I mean, this is real time. So this is interesting. I even have to had to work on how to say it, how to speak to this. But I'm working on a project right now called We, W-E Framers, all one word. So W-E Framers, F-R-A-M-E-R-S. And the website's under development. There'll be at weframers.com. We have all the socials, LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, WeFramers across all of them, which is super hard to do. And the idea behind WeFramers is a place for entrepreneurs that have something to say, a place for them to say it. One Mm. place, not this fragmented world where there's all this noise out there. We want one place for them. So that's one side of the equation. So a place that for entrepreneurs who have something to say, they're going to have a place to say it. We've got some tools and products we're going to make it part as part of this. And then also on the other side of the equation is for entrepreneurs that need to hear that. So early stage entrepreneurs, second stage entrepreneurs that need that experience here, kind of what we were just talking about, so they can hear it the way they need to hear it so that they can apply it the way they need to apply it because they're not ignoring, they're not listening to all fitting in that nice tight box, following all the rules. So we framers is really important to me. We're looking to get that actually launched by August. And then I'm really excited about this concept called, that's one of the products, it's called the skinny. So what is the skinny? The skinny is, at first I was calling it all these really dumb names. I was calling it the unbook, the small book, the little book. And what I was trying to say by that is I did not want to write bad business books. They're all Mm -hmm. the same words, same concepts, just my own unique words, but they're kind of the same thing. So the skinny is, we're just going to give you the lowdown. Here it is. Here's the skinny on this, right? And I don't think the, the biggest one so far is around 50 pages. A lot of them are 15 pages and they have three things in it. One, it has to be a genuine vulnerable experience share. So it's got to be my story. No theory, no conjecture. It's real. It happened. Two, tell a story, but using brevity. In one of these books we wrote, one paragraph, my two favorite paragraphs in the first book called Noisy Head are one sentence long because that's all that is needed to land a point. Wow. Trying to master brevity and get rid of all the words, but still get that story told. So it's been a challenge to figure out how to do both. Yeah. And then last, every skinny will have a framework in it that applies to that person's experience share that they're sharing with their audience of this is how I solved it. This is what my thinking model was or the tools I used. 
is in a framework that we'll provide for them so that the reader of the skinny will be able to put their own situation in, use the framework to help solve it and get themselves out of motion into action. I love it. It's coming, man. It's what, it sounds so simple, man. I never realized how hard it was going to be, but we're committed to getting it figured out and figured out right. The moment you start adding constraints is the moment that things get more complicated. No doubt about that. Those are some true words right there. Wow. Well, Dan, thanks for hopping on with us today and sharing your experience with the listeners. My hope is that they really tap in and know that if you're not building a business where you can step away from it and decoupling your time for money, you not being there to show up can have a huge impact on what happens in your life experience. Now, you always can bounce back on the backside of it, but if we can proactively build something that doesn't need us to show up on a daily basis, I think we put everybody in a better spot, not just ourselves, but our clients and all those that are relying on us. The other thing, that big takeaway that I took away from this one is having an advisor when you're in those peaks as well as those valleys is the difference between you going through and staying there and suffering and you making progress and getting out. Sometimes you just need somebody on the outside to hold your feet to the fire, or in your case, put some light in the tunnel that gives you the courage, gives you the hope to go ahead and take action. Because oftentimes we know what to do, but doing it oftentimes feels like it's too much. And it take somebody else believing in us in order for us to get there. So Dan, thank you so much. Cause for, if you're not an example of a dream catcher, I don't know who is, man. All right, man. I appreciate it very much. Thank you for inviting me. For sure. And to the listeners, your dreams should be real. We'll talk to you in the next episode. Thank you for joining the tribe today. We would love to hear from you. Please don't forget to rate, like, and share. Perhaps someone you know could benefit from what we've discussed. Until the next time, remember that your dreams should be real.